Are you thankful for the blood tonight? I got three of you thankful. I said, are you thankful for the blood tonight? Amen. I don't know where I would be without the blood that was shed on Calvary. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night. Amen. Our night to recharge and regroup and get back in this thing we call life tomorrow with a fresh start. Amen. 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 Deuteronomy 6 and 4 is a verse that you should all be able to quote. That's not where I'm taking my text tonight, but I do want to read those verses for just a moment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently. Not passively, not every once in a while, not when you feel like it. Diligently unto thy children. And if you were wondering how often and what diligently really means, he says, And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and... Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. I want you to teach your children diligently. I want this to be your conversation at the dinner table. I want this to be something that is familiar to you and to them, whether you're awake, whether you're laying down, whether you're out and about. I want this to be something that you know and that your children know. Titus chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Almost all the way to the back of the book. Titus chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers. Y'all know any talkers? And deceivers, especially they of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. The message says, for there are a lot of rebels out there, full of loose, confusing, and deceiving talk. Those who were brought up religious and ought to know better are the worst. They've got to be shut up. They are disrupting entire families with their teaching and all for the sake of a fast buck. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, Family Disrupted. Families Disrupted. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence that is in this place. God, your word is already anointed, but I pray that you would use me, O oh God, 
as clay, Lord, that You have put Your hand upon, God, and speak through this vessel tonight, God, that it would fall on ears that would hear Your Word and be glad. I pray, O God, that every word that comes out of my mouth, Lord, would be directed by Your hand. We love You tonight and we praise You for what You've already begun. And we thank You. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord tonight. Here we have a picture of false teachers who were troubling Crete. They were trying to persuade them of two things. Number one, that the story of Jesus and the cross was not sufficient. And number two, that grace was not enough. That they needed all of these other things added to their life because Calvary and grace just are not enough to make a difference. But I am here tonight to declare that Calvary and grace is enough. That what God did at Calvary and the price that He paid was enough for me. And the unmerited favor that He gives daily, I could not be here tonight without it. Sure, there are other parts of Christian living, but those things do in fact make a difference in my life and in your life. These false teachers, these deceivers were leading men away from truth instead of leading them to truth. Their teaching was fundamentally upsetting, but thankfully Christianity does not run away from doubts and questions. But Christianity has stood the test of time. Through many leaders who have tried to snuff out its light, Christianity is still alive and well today because it does not back down from false accusations. Truth is truth. The truth that we live and we claim today is the truth. And we're so thankful that we know it today. Barclay said that teaching which ends in nothing but doubts and questionings is bad teaching. There was a church whose pastor decided he was going to start off a year with a series called Why? And he was going to give everybody in the church an opportunity to write down some questions that they had. Why do we do this? Why don't we do that? Why is it okay to do this? And why is it okay not to do that? Great thought. Great concept. But when it came time to deliver the word, he knew that over here there were some people that if he said this, he was going to make really happy. But if he made them really happy, then he'd have this bunch over here he was going to make really upset. And so the entire time he is tiptoeing his way, trying to navigate not to hurt anybody's feelings. Not to say something that would offend them because the entire time he's trying to give his own opinions and ideas instead of just going to the Word of God and saying, here's what the Word says. Here's what truth is. So it didn't matter if you're on this side or this side. This is what the Word of God says. This is what God spoke many years ago and still speaks today. And it created a whole lot of more wise. Because he said this, and then boy, they'd come up to him after service. Well, I thought you told me a few weeks ago, yada, yada, yada. Why is that? Why is this? And so you opened up that why box and there were whys everywhere. 
Any teaching which tends to disrupt the family is false. For the Christian church is built on the basis of the Christian family. To disrupt means to break apart, to throw into disorder, or to interrupt unity. And I can't think of anything the enemy would like more than to know that he disrupted unity. That he came into the family or into the house of God and created havoc in the lives of people and disrupted the family of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in the message he says, I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all of this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would about the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other. Oh, we've sure got it made. Now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, you are not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. There were three things there. Number one, know where we stand. Number two, keep our eyes open. And number three, be smart. Seems like pretty basic, easy stuff to live by, but... That last one, I wonder sometimes. We know where we stand. We keep our eyes open for the most part. But being smart seems to be a challenge for some outside of these walls at times. But from the very beginning, the serpent makes his way into a garden. Brother Jimmy Tony preached a message one time called The Mark of the Beast. And he said, I'm not talking to you about... 666, I'm not talking to you about a microchip or a barcode that's going to be put on the forehead or in your wrist. He said, the mark that I want to talk to you about is the question mark. He said, you start reading in Genesis 1 and you see that God spoke and God declared and God performed and God did and God hovered and God moved. It's these actions and these These statements that God is making and declaring. But the first question asked in Scripture was from that subtle serpent. Who comes and he says, hath God said? All he did was present that question. Hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? No. God said, don't eat it. But Eve, now the wheels are turning. Now that the question has been asked, now Eve's starting to think, what what did he say? What was it that we were supposed to do? What, What was that one thing that I have to remember? 
And she begins pondering this and she says, Well, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, we can't touch it or eat it or we die. And so now the serpent says, Ye shall not surely die. So he took that question and put it in her mind. And then she did the rest. And she began to change the truth of what God had spoken and adapted it to fit her current situation. And this statement that the enemy makes is in direct conflict with God's word. And so that becomes a big problem for Eve and then for Adam. And then we start this blame game and we start this downward spiral in humanity. He tells the exact opposite of truth. And all of a sudden, the family is disrupted. All of a sudden, because of a question, because of one thing that was presented in a way that, hmm, does it really take all of that? Do I really have to live that way? Is it really necessary? Is it really essential to my salvation? And, and the wheels start turning and the questions start coming up and you open the why box. And then a whole bunch of more whys start coming. He tells the exact opposite of truth. And from there, curiosity does more than kill the cat. Curiosity begins to bring destruction for everyone. The end of chapter 2, it says that they understood their condition and were not ashamed. They knew that they were both naked and it didn't bother them. It was the way that God had placed them in the garden and it was just the way that life was. Yet the moment the question arises and we fall into sin and we are listening to the voice of a serpent and not the voice of God, eyes are open now and now we have an understanding of our condition and now we're ashamed of it. And now we're embarrassed and now we're humiliated to the point that we're going to hide ourselves from God. Disruption and strife are now present. God is on the mountaintop with Moses and He's giving him the law on the stones. And He says, rule number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And while they're up there having this moment, down at the bottom, they are making another God. Right then and there. That, it doesn't matter if there's one rule. It doesn't matter if there's ten rules. It doesn't matter if there are five hundred rules. If I am not listening to the voice of God, if I am not in alignment with what God is doing, if I'm not in the place where I'm meeting Him in the cool of the garden and I'm allowing myself to be around a serpent and I'm hearing the voice of something else, I, without a doubt, am going to fall into that snare and I myself am going to fail. Don't touch the stove. Why not? Because it's going to burn. Landon... Don't touch the cigarette lighter in the car. Don't do it. Oh, you know I did it. I still smell burning flesh today. If I'd have just listened to the voice that knew better, if I would have just listened to the wisdom that was there that knew if you do this, it's going to hurt. If I would just put myself in a position where I'm obedient, then my life would be a lot better off. 
Paul's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You're not going to run it by yourself. You're not going to flee by yourself. He says, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You're not the only one living for God. You're not the only one having to run away from some things. You're not the only one who's got a past that you're trying to escape. When you do it, you're going to find that there are others around you that are also here tonight that are saying, hey, I've got some things I'm trying to run away from. Come on, let's run to righteousness together. Let's run to charity together. Let's run to peace together. Let's, let's get into heaven together. He said, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. Notice he did not give a distinction and say, Timothy, when you're from 12 to 18 or 12 to 30, you need to watch out for this. No, he just said, flee youthful lust. Again, Brother Starks brought it up in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Fleeing is great, but there has to be a pursuit of something else. I'm so thankful that people repent and ask God to forgive them. But repentance is not just saying, God, I'm sorry, take all this bad stuff away. Repentance is turning and walking away from sin and walking towards God. If I'm fleeing youthful lust, I've got to be pursuing righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Well, we would like to think that if Adam and Eve had a Paul in their life, he could have told them the same thing. Hey guys, I'm just telling you from experience. Flee youthful lust. Don't allow the fruit to catch your eye. Don't allow the serpent to come in and start putting questions because it's going to bring strife. Don't allow it to get into your heart because in your mind and you, you'll start letting the wheels begin to turn. Flee that youthful lust stuff. Don't let the flesh get to you. Don't let the look of the fruit get you down. But when it does come your way, run away from it. We run away from fire. We run away from explosions, from stampedes, from gunshots, from tornadoes, and from hurricanes. Houston traffic in hurricane season is unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. Some of you know it. Some of you sat for hours in the same place and you didn't move. It's comical now, but in the moment it wasn't very funny. But we did that because we were fleeing something because we had an understanding that if by chance it did come here, if by chance it did hit my home, that me and my family would be in danger. And so we understand this, and our response is, if there is danger, I'm going to run. If there's gunshots, if the, you see the videos of gunshots and people just begin to run frantically, it's just in us and, and to, to respond that way, that we're going to flee because there is danger that can take out me or my family. But yet we are naive and think that we are invincible with things that can do far worse damage to me than a hurricane. 
with things that are a sin issue, things that would destroy and disrupt my entire family because it's not so obvious. It's not this thing that we have a weather forecast that pops up on our phone and a notification on my phone that pops up and says, hey, you're about to do something really stupid. I'd think again before you did it. Well, that'd be nice. But is that not what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do for us? Is that not what that conviction and that nudge you feel in your spirit is supposed to do if we didn't numb it? If we didn't shut its voice out of our life? Say, hey, think about this. Hey, before you do this, consider the consequences. But it's what Brother Stark said. Sin doesn't go to the intellect. We don't think about the consequences of this. But the reality is... Those things can wreck my life far worse than a third degree burn could ever do to my body. But Paul tells Timothy, you have got to run away from youthful lust. If you're 12 or you're 85 years old, it does not matter. Don't ever even give it a place. Oh, and by the way, Adam, if by chance someone sneaks in and starts throwing question marks around, that should be a sign for you to avoid the situation. Boy, it'd be nice to have that kind of warning. Don't even entertain it because all it's going to do is bring about strife. Oh, that's brainwashing. That's Paul writing this to Timothy and he's putting these thoughts in his head and he's putting this in his spirit and he's putting all of this in there and that's brainwashing. That's what our world is calling it today. No, it's called wisdom. It's called, I know what I'm talking about because I've been there and done that and my life hasn't always been perfect. I haven't always been a man of God. I did some pretty dumb things. I, I persecuted Christians. I haven't always been this Paul. And so when I'm writing to you, telling you, flee youthful lust, I'm telling you, I know what it can do to your life. I know what buying into those things can do to you and it can wreck you. So Timothy, hear it from somebody who's been there. Don't go down that road. Don't do that. Proverbs speaks so many times about listening to wise counsel. Open your ears. Pay attention to what they're telling you. It's not them trying to control your life. It's not spiritual abuse. It's not them trying to make you do something. It's them trying to say, hey, I'm wanting you to live right. I'm wanting to make sure that we all make it to heaven someday. And I've got some things and some tips that I could tell you along the way that will really help you out. Again, I've got to know where I stand. I've got to keep my eyes open. And I've got to be smart. So whatever you can give me that's going to help me, Paul, please tell me. Whatever advice you've got, give it to me because I need it. Right. Samson is proof that the longer you ignore and entertain something, the worse it's going to get for you. Judges 16 and 4 says, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman whose name was Delilah. I told some young guys a while back, I said, That just sounds like trouble. Delilah. You know, the name Delilah means feeble. How ironic that the one who embodies strength is about to be taken down by one who is known as feeble. It doesn't have to be stronger than you. It just has to endure longer than you. It has to be persistent. It has to keep at you daily. 
And the Bible says, The lords of the Philistines came upon her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. That's the game plan. Go entice him, find out what it takes to bind him, and find out what it takes to hurt him. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me where thy great strength lieth. And how you can be bound so someone can afflict you. She just comes right out of the gate and she just says it. Hey dude, what do we got to do to tie you up and take you out? Time out. If my wife went home tonight and said, what, what would it take to just really wreck your life and mess you up? What would it really take to disrupt you? And to tie you up and beat you senseless? You better believe I'm sleeping with one eye open tonight. <laughs> Hello? Common sense. Red flag. I, I don't need a whole lot of people coming in and telling me this girl's bad news. This is where Samson should have stopped and said, Hold on, it's one thing for you to ask me what protein shake I've been drinking. And what diet plan I've been on. And if I'm intermittent fasting and how I got to be this strong. But you're asking how we can go about hurting me. But Samson entertains it. And he begins flirting with it. And he says, well, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings. And so she ties him up with seven bowstrings. And verse 9 said, she had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house. You better be careful who you allow to be in your circle. Because you may have only opened a door to a Delilah, but you don't know all of the doors that Delilah has opened for others to be in a place to take you out. Well, it's just one person. It's just one thing. It's just one little issue. It may be just one person. But you don't know all of the people that Delilah has let walk through her doors that are there to see that you are taken out. Some folks may seem great and they may seem like they want the best for your life, but hear me, they may have some hidden things that you don't see and they have hidden agendas and hidden motives and a hidden plan to take you out. They come out, Samson beats them up, and then Delilah starts, Oh, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Come on, girl. <laughs> Fool me once. Right? Oh, but I tell you what, if I were to be tied up with new ropes, then I would lose my strength. And so Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them. And again, the men were hiding in the inner room as before, and they come out, and Samson beats them up, and... Again, here comes the waterworks. Oh, Samson, if you love me, you would tell me what it takes. Okay, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair, then I would lose my strength. So while he slept, Delilah braids his hair. And again, she wakes him up. They're upon you. And he wakes up and he beats them up. And then Delilah pouted, one translation says. And she said, how can you tell me I love you and you won't tell me the secret to your strength? The right person will know where your strength comes from. The right person won't have to ask you where your strength comes from. 
And the Bible says in verse 16 that she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Oh, it's easy to shut her down day one. It's easy to say no from the get-go and I'm not going to entertain that thought and I'm not going to let that sin get me down and I'm not going to fall for that one. I saw what the serpent did to Eve. I'm not falling for that trick. But day after day after day after day of entertaining it, it wearied him down to the point he was sick to death of it. Day by day she came after Samson's character in his heart. And she had him in a place where they could make him comfortable enough that he could sleep in the lap of the very one that was set out to destroy him. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. I've always done it this way. Every time I've fallen, I've gotten back up and I've defeated my enemies. I've been tempted before, no big deal. I'm strong enough and I know when to quit and I know when to say no and I know when to handle business. And I will do what I've always done when I fall. I'll just get up and take out my enemies. But the Bible says, but he did not realize that the Lord had left him. If God leaves, I have nothing. If God leaves, my strength is gone, my hope is gone, my help is gone, my healer is gone, my provision is gone. If God is not in the picture, then I have a big problem. But again, all it took was one person, one thing to disrupt an entire family and come in and be entertained enough to just disrupt everything. Disrupted because you thought you were strong enough. Adam, it may never be a question in your mind. But if I let it in the garden, it may become a question in the, my spouse's mind. I may know where I stand on certain issues. I may be convinced, I may stand resolute and say, as for me and my house, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and I'm, I know what I believe and I know what I stand for. But if I let it in my home, can I say the same for my children? I know where I stand. I know my opinion. I know my belief. But if I let it into my home and my children are hearing some of these things and they're seeing some of these things and they're picking up their own ideas and opinions, are they going to be able to say, well, I, I just went with what my dad said? Or are they going to go with what they're being fed every day and that's being piped into them? You see, we're facing a great giant in our world today. And we have real issues that people are dealing with. And where it was once something that we saw in the world, now we are starting to see these things in the church. Where once upon a time, yeah, you, you knew some people that did certain things. And you knew people that lived a certain lifestyle and, and it just blew your mind. But now that circle has gotten a lot closer. And now there's somebody in your family that's living a certain way that you don't agree with. And there's somebody that's your neighbor that's living a certain way that's causing you to scratch your head. And you're saying, is this really the world that we are living in? It was one thing when we heard about it that somebody on the news. But now it's my next door neighbor who's barricaded in his house. Now it's somebody that I know that's close to me that's dealing with this issue. It's becoming something that we're dealing with on a much 
closer scale. The governor of Utah, Spencer Cox, has signed sweeping social media legislation requiring parental permission for anyone under 18 to use platforms such as TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. His comment was, We are no longer willing to let social media companies continue to harm the mental health of our young people. That I have seen something that is disrupting families and we've got to put a stop to it. That I have seen something that is alarming and just like we have a reason that they can't drink until a certain age and they can't drive to a certain age and they can't smoke until they're a certain age, we've got to put some parameters around these young people because it's really disrupting their lives. And in turn, it's messing up society and it's messing up our families and in turn, it's messing up our churches. They have what they call legal bedtime that social media is not allowed for those under 18 after 10 p.m. And oh, the cries of the people. Oh, the government is overstepping their bounds and they're putting all this on us and it's oppression and it's all this stuff. And, and we've seen what that looks like. We've had a taste of that. But I'm thankful that there's somebody out there that sees the potential danger of something in our kids' lives. And they said, hey, I'm not ignoring the red flags anymore. I'm not seeing what Delilah has in her closet and just brushing it off. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say something. I'm going to address it and I'm going to say, hey, we can't have any of that. It's disrupting families. It's messing up what God intended to be a good thing. And now people are starting to see there's dangers to our children that require action from others. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are in the know of what he uses. If we say that, then we have to make sure we are in fact in the know. That we are in fact not ignorant of his devices. That we are doing everything we can to research, to study, to pray, to make sure that there's a spirit of discernment, that we're aware of what's going on in our world today. Our tech and media has done more than entertained us. It has engulfed us. In Curiosity versus Conviction, Zach Hammond writes, Everyone is expected to be more accessible than ever before. If you don't answer a text or a phone call, you're not just risking possibly losing a friend. But you may lose a client or even your job because it's what's expected. After all, I saw you on Instagram. Why haven't you texted me back? At least give me a thumbs up and let me know you've received my text. It's a pressure to be present and to be accessible to everyone at all times. Have you been there? It's our world today. Marriage 365 posted and said, Your cell phone has already replaced your watch, camera, calendar, and alarm clock. Don't let it replace your family. And it's all wrapped up in this thing called convenience. And man, what a convenience it is. The weather, right here. Sports scores, right here. Websites, right here. Church apps, right here. Calculator, flashlight, you name it. All right. We have an app for that. We have an app for that. Your Bible, right here. Everything of your life can be found right here in this small device that you keep held in your hand. 
It's so convenient. It's available. Remember that word subtle that is used to identify the serpent. That word is arum, which means crafty, sneaky, and as we've said before, sensible. It makes sense. It's convenient. What is said, if we ponder it long enough, we start saying, he's got a point. Maybe he's on to something here. Maybe that's why God doesn't want me taking of the fruit. Our biggest challenge is how to use technology without surrendering to it. Since the release of the iPhone in 2007, statistics are alarming. Loneliness or feeling left out, all-time high. Not hanging out with friends is at an all-time high. Not rushing to drive is at an all-time high. Less likely to get enough sleep is at an all-time high. And as alarming as statistics are, they are not getting any better. And it's hard to even keep track today because things are shifting so rapidly. The internet has given us an option to create this ideal world for ourselves and it can be whatever we want it to be. I can follow who I want to follow. I can mute who I want to mute. I can like all the things that I like and follow the things I want to follow. I create this world that's all about me and my preference. And I can find a truth that fits my life. And so that bleeds over when people are looking for a church. I'm going to look for a church that, you know, kind of is where my life is and what I want my life to be like rather than looking for a church that might potentially change my life, that I could go to, that it may challenge me, it may press me, it may cause me to think about my actions and and preach me to an altar that would change who I am. We're living with a new land. This isn't the same world that some of you grew up in. And with this new land, it must have new lines. We must have new boundaries that we put up. And we have to remember what one generation tolerates, the next embraces. Diane Sawyer said, The issue with smartphones and social media is not this generation's problem. It's everybody's problem. The parents are not sure where to draw the lines for themselves, much less for their kids. And that's the world that we are facing today. Where influencers were once upon a time pastors and Sunday school teachers and coaches and parents. Now everyone can be an influencer. You can go home and you can make a video tonight and put it on YouTube. And somebody, somebody out there may watch it. And you can tell them all the things you would like to tell them. And you could influence. So our children and young people are being influenced by things and companies and people whose lifestyle choices are very different than ours. The smooth talkers are disrupting families. And Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to... We know the rest of the, the Scripture there. But will you? I give you power to tread upon serpents, but will you? I give you power to do these things, but will you? And Zach Hammond said it's hard to have it under our feet when it's constantly in our hands. We're not here shaming tonight or ruffling feathers. We're here offering help. There are moments where you have to correct your kids. And as the kids, those are some of the worst moments. And as a teenager, boy, it don't get any better. 
And I'm sure even with the boundaries that I had and you had perhaps in your life that you found a loophole. We got any honest folks in here? That you found a way to somehow get around those parameters that mom and dad had put. But where would I be today if it had not been for those boundaries? Where would I be today if I didn't have loving parents that said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to live that way. We're not going to talk like that. We're not going to watch that. We're not going to go to that place. And in the moment, it was hard. But as an adult, I'm so thankful for those boundaries. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. We don't know what we don't know. And we have a lot of people who don't really research a whole lot of things. And this is not some attempt at making conspiracy theorists out of everybody. This is information shared so that if you are not aware, you can be made aware. Agendas are being pushed and comments are made and we say, well, it was just subtle. It wasn't some huge deal. The kids, I don't even think they caught it because it was subtle. Don't forget the scripture says that serpent was subtle. Well, it's the world that we're living in. It's being placed in the hands of our kids and it appears to be safe. It appears to be okay. It's animated. It should be fine. It's Disney. It should be fine. It's on the kids app on Netflix. It should be okay. And our children are being exposed and introduced to things that are disrupting what is right and what is holy. And to even disagree with them on their agenda puts you in their crosshairs. And I'm not here to talk politics or anti-Disney or anti-cell phones. I'm here to say there are some things that we've got to wake up and realize what's taking place. If you want to know where you should stand, you should stand on what the Word says. And not man's opinion. Not what your neighbor says, not what your spouse say or what your children say. But what the Word says. Because there are some parents that have said, well, we're not going to do that. But then the kids say, yeah, but have you thought about this? And we start entertaining these, these questions and these things that are going on in our world. And, oh, it, it pulls on our, our strings of our heart and we begin to grow compassionate to these things. But we've got to, what does the word say? What does the word say? Serpent, I hear you, but what did God say? Enemy, I hear you, but what did the word say? Delilah, I hear you, but I made a covenant with God that nothing was going to cut this hair. That I was not going to let any of this happen. So in this hour, when I am aware of what's going on, and I understand that there are smooth talkers out there that are disrupting families, that I've got to be aware and I've got to know where I am. I've got to open my eyes and I've got to be smart. Father, we love you tonight and we thank you for all of your many blessings. Thank you for these wonderful people here tonight, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, each and every one, our families, oh God, that are in this season, in this world today. You see all of the many challenges. You see the enemy and all that it's trying to accomplish and taking out everything that is good and holy and righteous. But God, we flee those things tonight. I pray for every parent 
every grandparent, every person here that would be a voice into the life of a young person or a teenager in this hour or a child, God, that we would have the right words to say and that we would be led and have wisdom, O oh God, that we could be a Paul to a Timothy and tell them, Lord, what it takes, God, to make sure that we are safe and that we are saved. I pray that you would go with us tonight and lead us all. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Love somebody. Let them know how thankful you are that they are here. Amen. And we will see you on Sunday. God bless.